Mā te wera-wera o tau mata e kai ai koe i te haungahi o te kai. By the sweat on your face you will taste the piquant flavour of cooked food. Ena mana ena reo himihi tēnei ki a koutou katoa. E are tārina mai ana ki tēnei hōtaka te ahikā. I'm Mariah Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray and this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. This week it's Whaka Tefa Tefa. That's the name of our documentary series where if you haven't noticed already, Justin and I delve into a topic of our choice that's around every three months. The first was... How Māori find love. The second segment was about... Marae Justice. And this week, Justine's up with Māori and fashion. We take a look at a few aspects of the fashion world, starting with makeup artist Nicole Taikato Wheeler. Um, when I tend to dress a lot of presenters and dress a lot of people, uh, even doing their hair and makeup, especially the Māori girls, they trust me um, because they know, you know, they take me in, they see how I'm looking, whether or not I'm wearing something that they might think of wearing. Same with hair, with makeup, because they get our skin tones wrong sometimes. It's pretty big on the fashion calendar every year in Auckland, where many a Māori and Pacifica budding designer enter their creations into Westfield-style Pacifica. And its past entrants include a who's who of the Māori and Pacifica fashion industry. So we're talking Charmaine Love, Amber Bridgman, Kitty Nathan. I'm with Style Pacifica's artistic director, Stan Wolfgram, who talks about how someone's culture can be trampled over for the sake of fashion. I also worked on Shortland Street, and I remember going in there and seeing a tapa cloth cut up and put on a table. And the other thing, too, is seeing tapa cloth, um, you know, put on a pair of jeans on your pants that you sit on, you know, and tapa cloth is, for us is, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's tapu, but it's very... You know, it's valuable. We understand the mm. whole culpa that goes behind that, the whole work ethic, the whole community spirit and the value behind something like a tupper cloth. Stan Wolfgram, Artistic Director of Style Pacifica, coming up later in the programme. And what he means here, eh, Justine, is stuff kind of similar to Tibetan prayer flags being hung up inside rather than outside because it's really tapu to have them hanging up inside. And since we're dealing with fashion in this episode of Whakatefa Tefa, I'm with those professionals who deal with the all-important hairstyling. You see clips, flat tops are really in this year, a lot of flat tops, but I'm working with a lot of rounded shapes, so it's just folded, more, more, more folded, so yeah, not to everybody's liking, but at the end of the day it's still fashion for, looks like catwalk. Warren Dion Smith coming up later in Te Ahika. When it comes to makeup and hair, Nicole Taikatawila has been doing it for some 20 years. Television, magazines, movies, and private clients, these days with a family in tow. Nicole has her own business, working usually as a freelance stylist. She took a back seat to it all briefly while she raised her whānau and kaiapoi and is now giving back to the community by running grooming courses for rangatahi who leave school early and are applying for jobs. And as you'll hear, Nicole is pretty passionate about her work. Te nakoto, ko matatua, te waka, ko maua, te manga, ko naitarangi te iwi, no taranga moana ahau, ko Nicole Taikata Wela Tokuwingua. 
in, in dissecting this world of that is Māori fashion, mm-hmm. um, how important is to have good hair, good makeup? Hugely important. It's, it's what girls pick apart. I mean, when you have awards seasons, um, first thing you look for is, and, and, and people that are coming in going, oh, we want this look like the last catalogue I just did a couple of weeks ago. It's, oh, they're wearing this, they're doing this, this is what's on the carpet. So it's always keeping up with that. It's always seeing who's wearing the latest what. It's um, scrolling through. You know, it's not bad research um, magazines. Yeah. Um, the way I was trained and who I was trained by, that, that was always one of my strengths is I could just see a picture and recreate it. Um, so how were you, how were you trained, um, Nicole? Um, I was trained, he was pretty cool. He was, um, his name was Simon and he was an old English guy and he moved out here from New Zealand and basically he used to run one of Vidal Sasson's salons in London. So I was the last apprentice he ever took on. And he um, pretty much, you know, filled me with all his knowledge. Mm. Uh, when I was rung up to do the leads for um, Narnia, I couldn't go away and leave my kids because they wanted me to go away for three months, and I was going to miss my son's six-year-old. Oh birthday. wow! What an opportunity! So they they rang you and said, yeah, "Would you hey, do this? Hey, do you want to come do this um, for the work that they were doing down here? They needed to hear a makeup artist for the kids for um, three months. But you know, for me, I was going to miss out on my kids, so I decided there and then I didn't want to be pulled." between career and kids and I'm fairly I'm actually fairly young in this industry um, when I tend to address a lot of presenters and dress a lot of people uh, even doing their hair and makeup especially the Māori girls they trust me um, because they know you know they take me in they see how I'm looking whether or not I'm wearing something that they might think of wearing same with hair with makeup because they get our skin tones wrong sometimes when other people so, are doing our makeup yeah so some of the girls look at you and think okay you know She's you Marty. look good. Yep, yep. You're Marty. I'm not a white so. Um <laughs> I was going to ask you, so how many Marty? I mean, you've worked for definitely a lot of Marty productions like Wakarel. No, I've done a lot with Marty presenters. Yes, I have. Um, I've done a lot, even um, some of the series that I've, I've worked on, like for um, Gabrielle Huria. She did a, um, she's a writer as well down here, and... Um, she, she wrote it, it's called Ruki's Voice, and so I was the hair, makeup and stylist on that and got to work with just a predominantly Māori cast, um, which was really easy for me um, because, like I said, I know their skin tones because it's what I wear. It's, it's, it's how we are. We're more yellow-based. Um, so what would this, the, 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 the general makeup palettes that you would use? Um, re- light, light, but we use lots of, um, lo- lots of light reflecting stuff, lots of illuminosis because we have good skin. Ultimately, Marty, we've got good skin and we, we, aside from the um, T-zone, you know, we can even it out and we reflect well. They're, all colours are really, really nice on Do we, we take care of it, no, Nicole? Don't. No, they don't, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's why I'd, I've even got, there's a um, Waikura house, there's a house down here for um, children going in and out of the system, and I quite often go into the young teenage girls and run personal grooming courses with them. Kind of like SIFS, but w- way more Māori-based, and I've got friends that are social workers and all of that, and they get a lot of young, troubled teenagers through there. You know, they get a group of girls together for me, or a group of young boys. I just ran a grooming course last week for them. And, and it's just it's just about us standing up, you know. Like, w- once I've made these girls over and they look in the mirror, one of the coolest things to see is that they stand up straighter, they look better, they feel better, they carry themselves better, and therefore they, they, they produce themselves to everyone else a hell of a lot better. Kia ora, Nicole Taikato-Wheeler. Don't forget, for an extended version of today's Te Ahika, you can head to our webpage at radionz.co.nz forward slash 
Te Ahika. I'm Justine Murray. And I'm Maraia Rakaraku, and you're listening to Te Ahika and our doco series, Whakatefetefa. It starts with an idea. You have an idea, and you look for support for the idea. It's refused again and again, but you believe in it so much that you just don't give up. Which is basically how Westfield-style Pacifica came into being 12 years ago, although back then it was called Fashion Pacifica. Stan Wolfgram, who's the artistic director of the event, now he may seem familiar to you. He was an actor and was in Shortland Street back in the day and now heads drum productions. They're the crew who do Pacific Beat Street. Love you, Corinne. Love the hair girl. But I digress. Justine caught up with Stan Wolfgram online from Auckland. Yep, my name's Stan Wolfgram. I'm a Tongan Cook Island German, born and bred in Mount Roskill, Auckland, New Zealand. Yep, I come from a family, there's uh, seven of us in the family, and my mum's a Cook Islander and my dad's a Tongan. They pretty much uh, immigrated over here and uh, had the family, and as soon as all the kids had gone to school, left school, then my parents headed back to Tonga. So they've been living there for uh, quite a while now, and uh, they kind of live between Tonga, Rarotonga, New Zealand, actually. And that's me. The concept of Star Pacifica, or the first Star Pacifica, was uh, 1998. How did it come about, um, Stan? Well, it came about, uh, it came about as a community initiative in West Auckland, It really came from the Pacific community who wanted to celebrate or have a voice within their own community. They thought the best way to do that was just really a celebration or or a festival where they could bring together all their their culture, their community. That's very much where uh, the Pacifica Field Day started, and that's also where Style Pacifica started. Um, Yeah, so it started in West Auckland, and then from West Auckland it became a Central Auckland um, program or initiative. It did run within the field day that is now at Western Springs, the Pacifica Field Day. Um, as as local or as government does, they restructured and they thought that Style Pacifica, or back then it was called Fashion Pacifica, could survive through corporate sponsorship. It never happened. Um, I was a, a part of the event. Um, they basically restructured, said there was no more funding for the event. So that's when I stepped in and said, look, um, I'm happy to look after the the event with a community trust. And we set up the community trust. We took over the event. Council gave us a little bit of seed money, and then that was it. Um, We ran it around the same period as the field day, but it needed to survive. So basically there was no funding for it, so we had to really um, run it. Uh, based on sponsorship, whatever sponsorship we could get. I mean, it's certainly growing, and it's such a polished, refined show, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, um, for many reasons. For us, what we want to do is we wanted to take that Pacifica voice to a mainstream level. Uh, When we first started the event, we tried to get sponsorship. The only sponsorship that was around was corned beef. (laughs) That's the only sponsor we could get. So we had to really, you know, we had to really, in a lot of ways, educate the sponsors and say, look, there's value in sponsoring brown people because, you know, it's part of the New Zealand story, it's part of our future, it's our point of difference to the rest of the world. So come on board, you know, and, um, yeah, we, we've been able to do that. We've been able to position the show uh, into um, a position where it's seen as, as a as a true New Zealand voice, but a truly unique New Zealand voice and unique to the rest of the world. 
with with Westfield, we we approached Westfield three times for sponsorship, and they said no, no, no. Then there was this thing that came up in 2000 called um, New Zealand Fashion Week, and we said, well, why don't you sponsor us to do a little show at this new event called New Zealand Fashion Week? And they said, okay, we'll sponsor you to that. We went to New Zealand Fashion Week, and all the international press looked at our show and said, wow, we've never seen that before. Mm. That's the different thing. That's the thing that we haven't seen in London, that we haven't seen in Paris, that we haven't seen in Milan. So suddenly they were doing stories on us, and suddenly we became the identity for New Zealand's fashion, the point of difference. And then Westfield recognised that, and we were able to sit down and do a deal, and they've become our um, naming rights sponsor over the last um, nine years now. Well, so that coverage, obviously, of the international media really, really boosted Pacifica, not only Style Pacifica, but Pacifica fashion. Yeah, it did. I I mean, I think it took it to a level where corporates could see that there was, uh, you know, a unique identity that was important to the whole nation. I mean, for corporates, what they need is they need, or what our corporate needed was a community identity. It needed a New Zealand identity. And they found that uh, Style Pacifica was this New Zealand identity. It was a reach into the community. It was a reach to local and national government. It was a reach to the media as well. Mm. So not only is Style Pacifica such a um, a fantastic community initiative and where it was was, was born in that um, in that sense, it's certainly about showcasing Pacifica fashion, isn't it, Stan? Yeah, it is. It's showcasing, but it's showcasing Pacifica fashion. But but for us, what is Pacifica fashion? We had to really. We feel that Pacifica fashion is this thing that all New Zealanders uh, are part of defining. We say that its roots lie within the Pacific, within New Zealand. And the values of the show are within the, if you could say, Kōpapa New Zealand, you know, Kōpapa Pacific is where it lies. And and from there, all we kind of open open it up for all New Zealanders to define that. But its roots and traditions do lie in the Pacific and do do lie in the values, you know, in Māori values, in Pacifica values, and that's become our our guide to defining what Pacifica is. In the past, we found that we were being defined by, you know, you could say Pākehā shows, and, and, you know, we were trying to find our identity there, but this is the other way around. We have Pākehās coming into our show, and we define what Pacifica is. Right, so what do you, can you elaborate more on that, Stan? Are you saying that, um, you know, there was a, um, a certain perception that Pākehā would have towards Pacifica fashion, yeah, and now it's reversed? And in an, in an international forum, um, Paka Raban, um, you know, put out uh, a range, swimwear range, and it was based on Māori and Pacifica designs. They also had the, the soccer player Cantona had a, um, a mokul on his face way back. And so we could see, but those guys were defining, you know, they, they were defining what fashion was, yeah. Pacifica fashion was. Why? Because there was no no kind of place for them to measure what Pacifica fashion was. And, um, you know, I used to work in the um, Benson Hedges Fashion Awards way back, and there would be Pacifica designs that would come in, and they actually started a new category, which was the Oceania category. But who was defining what was, was Oceanic fashion? Who was defining what was Pacifica fashion? You know, I didn't see any brown faces 
in the judging panel or yeah. or any brown models, you know, really um, in that. So for us, I mean, you know, it's okay. It's going to happen. These people are going to use our images. They're going to use our yeah. our, our techniques. They're going to use our fabrics. But who who is there to stand up and criticize them or guide them or or you know or actually just yeah tell them where they should go or tell them where they shouldn't go so they were taking bits from here bits from there bits that they saw maybe yeah. in a book or on tv or on the net and just kind of incorporated that into designs and called it pacifica or maori exactly that's what they did i mean i i also worked on shortland street and i remember going in there and seeing a tupper cloth cut up and put on a table Oh. And I can't. And the other thing too is seeing Tapakoff, um, you know, put on a pair of jeans on your pants that you sit on. What is the tikanga or the the the? the can you explain why you were you offended by that, Stan? Well, yeah. Is I mean, tapa not used yeah, for kai no, or food? Exactly. I mean, just having no understanding of you know, like same thing of my you know, putting something on your pants that you sit on, you know, and tapakoff is you know, for us is you know. It's, I wouldn't say it's tapu, but it's very, you know, it's valuable. We understand the mm. whole culpa that goes behind that, the whole work ethic, the whole community spirit and the value behind something like a tapu cloth. But to see it, you know, cut up and put on a tablecloth because it had a great design, I mean, for, for me, I mean, but who was to criticise them? So this was when on the set of Shortland Street, Stan? Yeah, this is way back when so, I... So, um, I mean, what did you do? Um... Well, there wasn't much I could do. Yeah, I mean, did you have to say to your colleagues, oh, hey, that's not really cool? Yeah, well, I did. I mentioned it to a few people and say, oh, look, that's that's not right. Look, you know, I had, you know, when I worked on that, it's a great program and it was great, you know, I had a good time and everything. But, I mean, I, I go back to even script as a as a performer, scripting lines where I'd say, oops, a daisy. Like a Pacific Islander, I've never heard of any Islander saying "oops and daisy." What Pacific Islander? <laughs> You're right. I know, but I mean, so the whole thing is Star Pacific is also it's an educational thing as well. It's uh, for me, and not just for me, but every any, anyone who takes part. I think it's a touchstone where they can, you know, where we can help to educate other communities. We live in New Zealand, you know, we're part of the society. You know, we're there to educate as well. We're not just there to say, you know, this is ours, it's not yours, get away. We're there to say, look, because, you know, my children are the next generation and they're a multicultural, they're Pacifica, but I hope they understand, you know, and I want them to understand, you know, the integrity that lies in, in all these things, mm-hmm. Copa Pacifica, et cetera, and, you know, so that it can all be used properly and it can all kind of help help bring everyone together. Stan, could we um, talk about Style Pacifica and, um, I mean, you've been the artistic um, director for more, 1998? Yeah, it's a few years years now. Um, I'd like to talk about the the, the Māori involvement or um, your involvement with with Māori fashion designers, stylists, models um, over the years in Style Pacifica. I think um, over the years, and I think it's just a reflection too on how society has changed as well as as far as Māori and Pacifica and how the relationship between those two communities have become closer and closer. I mean, in, in my parents' days, it was the Tongans are against the Samoans, you know, the Samoans against the Tongans, the Māoris against the Pacific Islanders. And, you know, that's kind of what was so-called, I don't know, that was the kind of thinking back in those days of the Orange Ballroom and all that kind of stuff. But to me, that was propagated by 
I think, so much propagated by other people. Okay. <laughs> me, other than those communities. And I think that those communities are actually the communities that have more uh, a more um, likeness or more they're more related than any other communities in New Zealand, I feel, the Pacific and Māori communities. And I just feel, I mean, back in those days, it was, you know, for my parents, it's don't speak Tongan, don't speak that, speak Pākehā, you know. But nowadays, I think we're, you know, these generations that have come through are seeing the value and the fact that actually we have so much in common. You know, we, we look at our own communities, Cook Island communities, and then we say, oh, actually, can the Cook Island communities, so the languages, et cetera, the relationship to Māori. And, you know, so through through a better understanding of all those things, a better understanding of those communities, um, we're able to work closer together. And I see Star Pacifica as having gone through that journey, where maybe when we started it was, how do we fit with Māori? How do we work with Māori? But then as we've progressed, the show has progressed, we've seen and recognised tangata whenua. Yes. You know, we recognise, well, how can you have a show? How can you have an opening without recognising that? Who better to bless and start the show, um, you know, than Māori? So, mm. yeah, I mean, you know, and through, you know, through talks with Māori and more association with Māori, then we've been able to do that. So uh, through the years, it's not just it's not just on the stage and fashion. For us, it's actually just recognising and properly recognising um, our place. The show is a community event. How how best do we, you know, do we recognise community, um, and how best do we showcase community, um, you know? Mm. And of course, that needs to be done with Māori. How can you not do it without Māori? Yeah, how can you that's not right. Do it without Tangata Whenua? So, Stan, in terms of putting together Style Pacifica, I mean, it must be a huge production for, I mean, you are the, the CEO of Drum Productions? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in putting that together, I mean, do you come in close contact with, like, Māori models, Māori fashion designers, set designers? Yeah, from Māori performers all the way to uh, Māori weavers. I'm actually working with uh, Manatoki in Gisborne, and I'm going to, uh, we're working to bring the kids up from the uh, school down there, and they'll come up and they'll do the opening this year for Style Pacifica. Because last year, I note that you had um, the or, uh, the Okareka Dance Company, there was Moana Maniapoto, the Atamira Dance Collective. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite a, um, yeah, it's a bit of a showcase, really, of, of Māori performers, these choirs. Yeah. Is it tough to put together in terms of, you know, um, as, a, um, as a TV programme especially? The toughest thing is that people think the bigger it gets, then you've got all this money floating around. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, it isn't. It's the opposite. The bigger it gets, the more it costs. More expensive. Yeah, you've, you know, and for us, you know, our thing, it's, it's about looking after our people that are involved. So it's about feeding them as well. It's not just about, you know, shop on the day. It's about feeding them. It's about looking after them. A lot of our performers are new in the venue, so it's about um, mentoring them as well. It's about educating them um, to being on that stage. Um, I work with the same crew that we've worked with over the last 10 years, and they, our crew keep coming back. So we're old hands at this. We know what to do. Um, that's about the only easy thing is that we've been there before, so we know what we're doing. We have no volunteers in our show. Everybody's paid, um, and that's part of the 
educating our community and the value of their craft yes. and the value of their um, any of their contribution. Yeah, any mm. of the contributions have value. So if we don't value it ourselves, how can they expect anybody else to value it? So therefore, there's no no freebies. Everybody gets paid. We have no volunteers. Everybody gets money. Yep. Everybody gets fed. The toughest thing is just finding the money. And um, but yeah, we do it every year, and we kind of we jump up and down at the end of it all, and then we kind of yeah we go oh are we going to do it again? Yeah, let's do it, and then. <laughs> We get in there, yeah. And the one for this year is um, September the 3rd, yep. Stan. So, um, Stan, you know, in terms of Style Pacifica and, and the fashion community in New Zealand yep. and both abroad, what do you think Style Pacifica does to to contribute to the actual fashion industry? Well, you know, what we what we do promote is we promote, yeah, Māori Pacifica fashion is what we promote. We promote... Um, we promote it at different levels. So we promote it on an educational level, which is get out there, give it a go. And then we promote it at another level, which is more the commercial level, which has become a professional designer who is willing to take the risk to incorporate their culture within their, um, within their craft or within their, within their fashion, which is probably the hardest thing. Most designers in the commercial industry are driven towards... Um, mainstream fashion, which is trends and things like that. And culture tends to be something that is another classification for mainstream. You've got your mainstream fashion and then you've got cultural fashion, which tends to be seen as, uh, you know, things with tikis or kōrūs on them or made out of flax or anything like that. Well, we try to actually meld the two together and try and say that there is a market there is a, a market out there. There is a career. There is a, uh, you know, you can make a living out of out of combining the two together, cultural and and mainstream fashion. So that's what we try to do. Um, it's a, it's a very difficult one, but we kind of see that there's a similarity as in um, brands. It's all about brands and creating brands, and a lot of times brands is all about stories. And we find that a lot of a lot of garments or a lot of um, things that are out there, they're brands, but the brands are really weak. The brands, the story of the brand is, about, is based on something being cool. What we're trying to say, there's a stronger brand, which is about community, it's about people, it's about, um, uh, you know, something strong, something more spiritual and something stronger. So we're trying to say that there are brands that can exist out there that are based on, um, you know, a culpable, uh, you know, a... a uh, maybe be a Pacifica or a Māori spirit. Mm, mm. We're trying to say that you can exist, a brand can exist uh, like that, rather than a brand just being on something flash, you know, Calvin Klein, or what's the brand there, you know. So we're trying to say there's another story out there that, um, yeah, that can, can tell a more important story and um, still, you know, be, be commercial. Yes, yes. So, um, Stan, you know, I'm keen to know, um, you know, what you think of the current fashion industry, you know, the, the Karen Walkers, the Trillies Coopers, you know, do you think we're a strong country in terms of promoting our fashion? Look, what I believe, and in, in this is, you know, speaking with others within the industry, is that New Zealand doesn't really have a brand. If you say uh, Italian fashion or you say, you know, um, you know French fashion, 
you kind of get a picture of what that is. But if you say New Zealand fashion, what do you get? I mean, it's not really defined. Is New Zealand fashion a rugby jersey? Mm. So I think it's a wonderful time. A swanee. <laughs> yeah, a swanee or something like that. I think it's a wonderful time, though, for New Zealand, especially for Māori Pacific, to influence what that brand can be. You know, and people have moved towards saying it's an outdoor brand, saying it's um, outdoor, it's a sporty kind of a brand, but it's, um, yeah, it's outdoor, earthy kind of a brand. Well, who's going to define what that is? Yeah. You know, and I think it's it's our opportunity, mm-hmm. Māori Pacifica, to really say, well, why can't that brand include some kind of, you know, koru or, or something or, or those earthy colours or those traditional colours, the reds, the blacks, the whites or something like that or Yeah. I mean how much of how much promotion though does New Zealand get in terms of um I mean I can just think of a couple of examples where you get J Lo has bought a pair of Karen Walker jeans that um Fergie or Charmaine loves dress on the red carpet. How much of it is about getting famous people to buy your stuff to get us promoted? Yeah, well look a lot of Designers don't realise that branding is really what it's all about. You've got to have a brand. You've got to have a brand story. You've got to have a story that your consumer really associates with and wants to be a part of that story, and then they buy your product. Yep. So, yeah, branding is a massive part of that story. So, yeah, it is important that um, Michael Campbell wins the America, you know, wins the US Open. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> really good for your brand. With Kia Kaha at the back. Kia Kaha at the back there, and even that shirt. I mean, that shirt just sold. I mean, Donald Trump bought one of those shirts. Um, it's very important, but that's branding, and that's important for our designers. But our designers need to know that. You can't just make a shirt, stick it in the shop, and then that's what it's all about. You've got to make that shirt, and you've got to sell that shirt. And, then, you know, get the All Blacks to wear it, get somebody to wear it, get Fergie, get whoever to wear it. Um, look, the other thing is, too, that our people are celebrities now. In the past, they weren't. And in my day, the only kind of Pacific Islander that was a celebrity was, um, you know, all black. You look at um, Brian Williams. But now our, our own people are stepping up there, and they're celebrities, and they can wear our brands, and they promote our brands. And that's, that's where it's a great opportunity, great time for us, for our fashion to come through, Māori Pacifica fashion. We've got our, you know, our rugby players. We've got our singers. We've got our actors. You know, Cliff Curtis is out there. So, you know, the, now we have more opportunities than we ever had before to really um, take that brand globally. Kia ora, Stan Wolfgram, actor, dancer, father, husband, artistic director of Star Pacifica, the annual Polynesian fashion extravaganza. Takes place around about September. For the links and pictures of previous designs, head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. That's T E A H I K A And don't forget, you can always drop myself or Justine line at teahika at radionz.co.nz. You're listening to Teahika, Radio National. So. Mariah, when it comes to fashion, what are you into? Well, maybe I should talk about what I'm not into. (laughs) I'm not into paying a fortune for designer gear. I think it's wasteful. Uh, I'm certainly not into wearing shoes that make me fall over. (laughs) And what I am into, though, is going to the hoko hoko, going to secondhand shops. Love it. To try and get that one-off little bargain that makes my heart beat faster. 
so if there was an essential in your wardrobe that you just you know you just love a fashion a piece of fashion that you own what is it I guess that would be a cardigan. A cardigan? I wear lots and lots of cardies. You know that. Yeah, I do. Cardies in every colour. Yeah, probably a cardigan that's had a bit of a Mariah Zhuzh to it. So for me, it's mostly about comfort. I mean, if I'm not comfortable, I probably, you know, I don't enjoy myself um, if I go out on the town, for example. Uh, But I will be a certain amount of pain for shoes. Not high heels, just a little bit of a heel is is okay with me. And in her pursuit of that ever-present fashion-conscious... Māori woman. Justine was backstage at the recent Pau Pau Pau, the Māori music extravaganza, and she asked some of the stars there, who have to look good, dress good, what their sense of style is. Uh, nice shirt, nice trail, nice shoes, uh, sometimes a G-string, but after a while when you're out on the town there, the no, old, old G-string starts sneaking up and sneaking in like a baby hiding a pool. <laughs> Honestly, I could come up with you. taku swan dry. Because we come from a place called Levin, and there's a lovely shop down in Levin called Swazi, and he makes the kakahu you need to wear when you're going into the ngahiri. Kapoi, what about you? What, what defines your personal style? Shorts, singlet, jandals. I that's me. Um, when I go out, um, anything I wear, I compliment it. Yeah, anything looks good on me. Kia ora finance is DJ Professor. Um, being a DJ, we got to look sharp, got to look cool. Being Maori, got to you know in, incorporate all those ideas. So we take the kind of from a USA. There's this thing called backpack hip hop, where you know you wear the Nikes and you got a backpack on. But what you do is you put all your all of our, our kākahu Māori in there, so you're wearing a, you know, a, a kākaha shirt, uh, put on your, your kete whakairo, you know, your, that your, your backpack kete, and then you, you know, you make, you sort of, you um, substitution for the, substituted, change it for some, uh, you know, some of our Aotearoa, you know, some of that kākahu that relates to it, that our, that, that we can uh, relate to. And of course, well, if you wanted the lucky fellas that got a tamoko on there too, you know that adds that extra, that extra little X factor that you won't get anywhere else. Gotta look stylish, Maori whanau, stylish. Okay, so um, Minaripia, what's your personal sense of style? My personal sense of style is, I suppose, um, unique. Something unique, not necessarily flattering, but comfort, and um, just I think just what what I like to wear. What do you wear as casual wear? Oh, my, my Dickies shorts and my long socks and my Converse shoes and, and my white T-shirts is my casual wear. If I could get away with it on stage, I would do that too, but no, I, I do take it up a couple of notches and wear something really different to my Dickies shorts because that's what people see me in. Personal style, well, if I'm honest, when I'm home, it's all track pants, T-shirts, socks... You know, everything huge. Rugby socks? Rugby socks, actually. Yes, I sport the rugby socks. Um, But in terms of stage presence, I suppose, fashion for me is sort of... um, uh, (laughs) It's sort of street chic. Street chic. Street chic. It is. But for the stage, urban, a bit of gang. You're a big gangster. But not baggy pants. But not baggy pants, but classy at the same time. classy. Yeah, it's it's an eclectic mix, (laughs) as is my music. So it's reflective of my music, so... Yeah. If I could wear track pants on stage, though, I so would. (laughs) 
Mm, that was some interesting ficado there, near Justine. I know, especially at the start of um, that call. <laughs> hilarious, especially with Nga Tamatane Ikira. Brannigan can't, never really one who was whakama or shy to express himself. Yeah, it's left a little bit of a graphic image in my head there. Kia ora, Brannigan. Coming up, Whanau Ma Justine attended the recent Metal Morda fashion show. I've got an explanation of that coming up soon as well. That was held here in Wellington. And don't forget to listen to an extended version of Te Ahika. You can find it online. Head to radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. You'll find pics of today's guests there too. I'm Justin Murray. I'm Mariah Rakaraku and this is Te Ahika. The Mero Moda Fashion Show is still in its infancy stages. This is year two. Now Mero is the twining of muka, that's harakeke, and Moda is the Italian word for fashion. And why is it called that? Because it's all about creating links between the Māori world and the Italian world and the high world of fashion. Founding members are Ata Te Kanua no Ngāti Maniapoto, who is the managing director and editor of Two Mai magazine, and Rex Turnbull, fashion designer, arts commentator and fashion judge, no Ngāti Kahungunu me Ngāti Tuwharetoa. The purpose of the fashion show is to select a designer from a range of categories whose work encompasses cutting-edge fashion with a Māori flavour. The winner then goes on to showcase their designs. Last year's supreme winner was Wirumu Barrybull, and we profiled him and his label Tuake last year on Te Ahika. So Justine, when you went along to Middle Mora, was it an afternoon well spent? Yes, it was actually really fun. The great thing is that I turned up at about 10 in the morning, so it was the preliminary judging round, which meant that everybody was relaxed. Um, I got to have a cup of tea with most of the fashion designers, um, and I started off actually talking to hair designer, national hair competition judge as well, Warren Dion Smith, Nōtainui. We would have gone huge, but um, it was just a time-restricting small compared to the scale that we work on. Yeah. So how much input do the designers get? None, thank goodness. But when I look at it, they all do marry in with everything. Absolutely. It goes with it. And it's kind of, their outfits, from what I see here, is very kind of 80s. So, I mean, that was interesting that you said that designers didn't have a say. Are they not um, in charge of the overall look, including hair makeup? But in this account, we're told that they're just going to get what we designed for them. Tell us about um, Get Funked. Um, We still hold the title for Best Overall Champion Stylist for Wellington, so we hold that for the last four years running. And I do a lot of competition stuff, so I go around taking teams around um, different regions. I want to ask you too, you know, I mean, this is um, essentially a Māori fashion show. What do you think, you know, when you walk the streets of Wellington or wherever you are in the country, that the biggest mistake that that Māori men and women make in terms of their hair? Colouring their hair themselves to that waka blonde, eh? but it's very popular now. Yeah. Waka blonde undercut. It's just, with the, most of them have really thick dark hair too. So it's and they don't know really what hard. to do, so they're using pantines, leaving conditioners in their hair when they're not supposed to, and tying their hair back, and it goes all kind of mildewy, because what happens is if their hair doesn't dry properly, it goes damp. Hello, it smells like mildew clothes that, you know, go off. The hair does go off, especially if you don't dry properly. I mean, more ladies and even guys these days oh, seem to have... cut their hair themselves. It looks as though they just all cut their hair themselves. They're always looking for a bargain. Māori people are looking for a bargain. And they don't want to pay anything over 50 bucks. That's like kai for them, you know? And the hairdresser said it's really expensive, so I understand. I'd give everything away for free if I could, but it's about business as well. But people are G- uh, they seem to have a pair of GHDs these days. Yeah, or $350. Hello, they must be rich. 
Hey, $350. And really, in the end, at the end of it all, it's going to be a phase where people go, like the crimpers in the 80s, I can't believe you bought that. And then Aaron's children will go, oh, back in the days when you used to use GHDs. What about the guys? Oh, the guys are always very clean. They always. I'm glad they're going away from that emo locker. Yeah, I think they should, um, with the mouldy hair, it's always good to keep it short because yeah. it is always yeah. thick and... If the, it takes a lot of work otherwise to make it look tidy and make it look like anything. And make try it look not to use Dax wax. Dax wax, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's what Maldi really good uses about. Dax wax. It's hard to get out of the hair. It's good for surfers. Hey, it's just like yeah. surfboard wax, really. Yeah. You can you shine your wax through your boards with them. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to get rid of it, yeah, just wash detergent palmolive. It's yeah. easy on the hands, so it must be quite full on on the hair. Yeah. <laughs> not that we'd recommend it, but that's what they say. You need detergents to remove it, so the only thing degreases. we can think of is uh, are those, yeah, degreases. So why hairdressing as a career? Oh, because I left school at 15, got suspended, <laughs> and then ended, <laughs> I ended up getting on a course, failed that for the first year, then went back to do another course, failed that as well, and then I thought to myself, oh, it's time to real buckle down, and I thought, oh, I got on a job. I'm um, working in film and television. Next minute I was famous. What do you mean famous? No, oh, as, in, right, as yeah. an all awards and judge <laughs> for New Zealand. Yeah, I'd go around the country judging all the regional awards now for best here. Nice. Mm-hmm. Get paid for it, hotels. But then I think to myself, what's going on in those hotels before I got there? Hey, everyone goes, what a nice hotel, whatever. <laughs> As Warren and I continue to talk here, he mentioned his own kawa or protocol that he's chosen to use with his clients, and that's making sure they feel okay about changing their hair. You've got to have a respect for it, and you've got to be able to do that. So that's why we, we, we as people have respect for it. We don't just cut it off, we talk about it. Explain what we're going to do, explain what the processes are, and if they want to, well, if they're giving us permission to cut it all off, colour it, it's about asking for permission. Actually, that's a really good point that you that you mentioned. Yeah, I'm the only one in, in the country that does it. This is, an, this is another famous Māori one. His name's Mana Davies. But, yeah, we just have to really look at the respect because, I don't know, here is a very sacred thing. So what do you mean you're the only person in the country that does it? Well, well, we're the, we're the only ones that really acknowledge it. Yeah, the other ones, it's all about money. So if a lady came in with hair if a Māori came in there and, and she was very, you know, significant to the Māori industry, uh, a lot of hairdressers don't care, they'll just cut it off. But I, I look at it and I think to myself, oh, yeah, got to have a respect for it. So do you say things like, are you sure you want it cut? Or? Well, I look at things, well, it's like if I keep hair to make mats and they're out of it, I ask permission for it. So it's, if they say, I want it gone, then OK, it's, it's, you've, you've chosen to. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't just go and cut it off for the sake of cutting it off. But if somebody, if a lady wanted to keep her hair because, because I'll keep it was... It. I'll try and change it and say, no, we can do this. We don't have to take it all off you. It seems like you have a real passion for your job. Well, I only do it for a very short time, and the others I just work as a, um, a prosthetic makeup applicator for widow workshop and all the different places. So I managed able to get around and work on few movies and see some familiar faces around here who have worked on movies with me. So really this hoary mouldy from Waikato can easily just make it anywhere, you know? Rubbing shoulders with everyone now. Man, that's yeah. interesting. Made prosthetic. Yeah, so... prosthetics are special effects. Yeah. So I make wigs and all that. And that's out of human hair, so you've got to also have a respect for it. When you're dealing with human hair, you don't know if they're dead or not. Mm. You know, hey, here's a big popular thing with Māori girls. They all want extensions. You know those clipping ones? Where are they coming from? Hey, and you still you've got to have a respect for it. Otherwise it just becomes like an accessory. But really, it's somebody's here. That's right. Who might not be here today. 
Yeah, so really my dream is to work with archaeologists and to deal with all the ancient hair, to look after it, on the, whether they be on the mummies or anything like that. Big money. Now I join Warren with a magic happens, the dressing room prepping the models. Kia ora, Warren. <laughs> Can you just talk to me about your styles, please? The donuts, yeah? <laughs> the donuts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, still they're a very fashion board. So everything in fashion is coming out this way now with hair. And so well, coming out from the forehead. So it's kind of like a, you see cliffs, flat tops are really in this year. A lot of flat tops. But I'm working with a lot of rounded shapes, so it's just folded, more, more, more fold. So yeah, not to everybody's liking, but at the end of the day, it's still fashion board. looks like catwalk. You also described it as geisha. It can fall into forms of geisha. Uh, if it was placed in here and then built up. And to the sides, yeah, definitely. And then this would have been just quipped right over. Yeah, definitely. But I guess the litigation would be the shine that you're looking at, because and then the texture, because it still would be a hard texture. Yeah. So, what made you think of this design? Well, well, one of the um, the the people from Metal Mortar said that they wanted just a tie a ponytail and tie it up. So I said, why not bring it into the front? Rather than just have it here in the in the, in the um, crown area, it would just look kind of like boring. But well, with this, it sort of looks kind of yeah. I think it looks very oh, I don't know. This could fall into Oceana. Now you've got your equipment there, Warren. Can you do you have any tricks of the trade that you could share with the the nation of of Aotearoa? Tricks of the trade. Get yourself got... a good bonus, twenty five percent extra. Sh- uh, sh- hairspray when you're dealing with things. I mean, we've already gone through one hairspray now, but this holds 500 grams, so that's pretty good. Um, make sure you've got yourself some good brushes. Um, we're going out of hot irons, so we're not going to be using a lot of hot irons. Everyone's using them. Everyone knows how to straighten the hair, and they're now mastering the arts of curling the hair. So now we're bunning the hair. You can't do that with hot irons, so I thought we were like, so oh. take the hot irons out of the equation and then work with what we got. So do you have, um, you know, your toolbox with your, your gears? Um, well, we just put them all in the air. Oh, yes. Oh, here we go. Oh, yes. Oh, yep. A couple of bags. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, I guess in there, when we look at these, it being 350 each, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe a good $4,000 worth of things just in here. So help yourself. So, paint us a picture, Justine. Was it unnaturally skinny girls in ridiculously high shoes with garish makeup or looking stunning? <laughs> well, let's just say when I got there, I did feel a little bit intimidated because I think it was the shortest Māori yeah, girl there. That's something you notice, I know when I had a modelling gig last year or the year before, that oh, I was standing next door. Next, you know, I felt like this little... Yeah, you do. This little Christmas tree next door to these huge rimu. These yep. girls are huge. Exactly, and so that's what it felt like. Tall, um, the hair was stunning because it had it was inspired by geisha, yep. as you would have heard with my quarter with Warren, um, and the outfits were stunning. There was one Māori girl, Sonata, who had tamokoapu legs, which I found really interesting given that modern is such an aesthetic thing and whether designers would like that. But it was great. Relaxed, kai, cup of tea, drinks. It was really good. Hmm. And while you were there, you got alongside a shy Māori boy who explained his first modelling experience to you. Aida. Kia ora, Dua. Kia ora. So, um, bro, what's it take to be a model? Oh. Good looks? <laughs> Good genes? <laughs> just uh, the confidence, I think. Yeah, just sort of be willing to get up on there and 
stretch your stuff. <laughs> Are you a model? Or do you? No, I just I got uh, pretty much pressured into doing this. <laughs> By who? Uh, one of the organisers here. One of your aunties, eh? <laughs> Does it take a lot to be a, a, a model? Just yeah, the main thing is confidence. Eh? Be confident in yourself and how you look, and just. How long have you been doing this for? Uh, for about two hours. <laughs> Man, this is this is my best interview today. I thought you were going to say two years. Okay, so which collection did you wear this morning? Uh, Blair's Blair's collection. Oh, yeah, Blair Archibald, yeah. and he yeah. had the collection based on his um, grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. Is it something that you want to get into? No, not not really, but uh, it's just good to experience something like this. Yeah. It's like something different. So how's your catwalk, bro? <laughs> oh, I think I'm the best so far. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing your modelling bit here today at the fashion show, but do you care yourself being a Māori boy about clothes and how important you uh, look? Yeah, yeah I'm all, I care a lot about my appearance. I've got to impress the ladies. <laughs> Describe your fashion sense to me then. Uh, I say about like, street. Not, not, not that gangster look, but like quite nice. Yeah, it's like my favourite labels are like lower and RPM. So yeah, I rock those a lot. What is up with guys wearing their pants? You know, so they're you know they got okay, so they're wearing boxes, yeah. right? And when they wear jeans, the jeans, the boxes, the the ass is hanging out. What's up with that? Oh yeah, don't know. Oh, I'm not one of those guys. I think it's just to check the ladies, eh? You get their eyes looking there. <laughs> Rua, man, you're the bomb, bro. Thank you for your cordial. Oh, see, thanks. And with more experienced skills, Sonata, who chose to do modelling from the age of 10. Uh, kia ora. My name is Sonata Duffy McLeod. I am Tuhoi and Napuhi, uh, brought up in central Otago, Wanaka, and um, also Dunedin, living here now in Wellington. Yeah. Sonata, you are dressed in... Could you describe what you're dressed in, please? Um, I am dressed in a... It's like a fitting mini dress with a very... But sort of like a tight dress with a caftan-style um, look. The material looks quite Indian, um, but the the sleeve on it is quite big and puffy, and so, yeah, apparently the designer made it out of a curtain. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And your shoes, girl. Tell me about your shoes. Um, I've never even walked two steps Yes. In it seems at the moment that this season's in look is um, very, very high heels, um, almost like stripper-style heels. The, the taller, the stiletto, the better at the moment. So, yeah, they're very high. Are your feet accustomed to wearing in, wearing high heels? Um, yeah, I don't wear high heels all the time, but, um, yeah, I manage. It is quite hard. But, actually, sometimes the higher heels are a little bit easier to walk, walk in. Really? Yeah. Sonata, how long have you been a model for? Um, I, I'm i sort of getting a bit old now. I'm 32 this year, but I, my mum actually um, sent me off to modelling school when I was 10, uh, 19, and so I did that for about three years um, when I was younger because I had a choice of either going to jazz, um, ballet, or going to modelling because I liked they used to do... Um, used to learn to be able to do contemporary dance and, and um, so I decided to do modelling because I would like the dance factor 
Yeah, so and then I've just been doing a little bit on and off since then, just as um, so that's a good twenty the, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, on and off. I mean, yeah, serious from ten or just you've... no, no, no. It was more like um, I sort of didn't do any for a long time, and then sort of got back into it in my early twenties. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the women's Māori model community um, is it. Is it small in New Zealand? Is it representative of the population we're in? It's interesting because I know with here in Wellington, the there was the major modelling agency called the Agency. Unfortunately, um, it fell over due to the recession at the end of last year. So there isn't much representation at the moment for models in general. Um, most at the moment are using their own um, profiles through Star Now or. Um, being their own agent, which I am myself, and yeah, it is kind of difficult, but um, I think most of the models seem to gravitate towards Auckland. Um, here in Wellington, there is sort of more slim pickings. Um, you know, like I'm not the you know a tall model or anything, but I still get modelling work because there isn't actually that many people to choose from. Right. <laughs> so, whereas in Auckland, there is a lot, lots of people go there, like if they're wanting to sort of get more into the arts or modelling and uh, presenting on TV, etc. They generally move to Auckland. So we kind of have to sort of sift through what we've got here. <laughs> Are you dependent on the number of designers in Wellington? If there's hardly any designers down here. Well, it's actually more like we're more also dependent on there's not that many showcases there's um, the world of wearable arts but that's a wearable art show there's actually um, a couple of shows through the Massey University through the fashion school but they're very small shows and they're generally not to the general public they're just graduation ceremonies etc um, and then with Mitamota here I mean this still you know it's just to um, judges so it hasn't established itself as an event for patrons so um, it's yeah Mm. It is a bit hard, but I also do mainly um, performance as well. I'm an actor and singer, so um, I also do TV commercials. And um, are you a Twifakadi graduate? No, no, no. I just I actually come from an events background. I, I'm actually planning a fashion show at the end of the year here. Um, yeah, but I, I sort of more come from. I've always sort of loved performing and singing, and and did a bit of modelling. So I've always kind of. Uh, kept that up as just um, a part of my it's a part of my nature like I love to work but then it's like the performance side of me likes to be artistic and creative too because generally with my um, work being an event manager then I'm sort of structured around helping artists well I'm an artist myself and I I want to have (laughs) fun too you know so I like getting involved with things like this even if if I'm doing it voluntary or whatever it it doesn't bother me because I actually need that artistic side of me to be an artist as well. So um um, Sonata, I mean, you're Māori. All right. How involved or how has Māori culture, your your Māori side, influenced your life? My mum influenced me a lot. Um, I grew up in Wanaka first. My mum and dad were there, and we were probably one of three families that had Māori children. Um, so it was a very, very white community, and all of those Māori children were from sharing gangs. Um, as my mum had come down from the North Island um, in a sharing gang, which is how she met my father um, on a farm. He was a farmer, but um, very white community. Um, the Māori that were there stuck together, um, but in that it meant that we grew up very white because there wasn't 
um, Māori in our curriculum and um, there wasn't uh, a local marae or a local iwi of such a, at that time that had established itself until later when um, Naitahu sort of got their settlement and became to, to sort of want to make their presence known throughout the um, Central Lakes District, etc. So is this in the 80s that uh, you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, 80s, 90s. Yeah, so it was very, very white. Um, Dunedin, though, it was, wasn't as much. My mother um, worked as in the Māori department at... Um, at uh, Otago University, so I, you know, she was always doing kapahaka, and she was she speaks um, fluent Māori. This is your mom. my mother. Your mother. Yeah. So, but you know, I did have that side as well, where you know I was dragged along to you know kapahaka. Um, What's your mum's name? Mom? Shirley Karina, and um, yeah, she works now for um, Aotearoa, um, Te Wananga Aotearoa. And um, but yeah, I think the, my culture has definitely shaped me, especially in my later years, because uh, because I sort of was in a very white community, struggling to find my identity um, as being Māori. I think I always kind of felt white, and then but now I feel that you know Māori isn't just whether or not you speak Māori; it's it's almost like a spirituality. So and I feel that inside of me. So that's yeah. But it influences me in everything that I do. Sonata, I mean, you're a you're a a model. There are times, obviously, in this industry where people have to touch you. People have to touch your body. People have to dress you. You know, in some ways, do you think about? And I'm going to use the word fakama or shyness or even tapu really because it's your body I mean are you intimidated at all by that I was when I was younger because I think um, you know definitely your early 20s you're sort of insecure and a little bit you know shy about your body etc but I think now that I've had a child and you sort of appreciate your body more like in the sense that it's actually your body's for a purpose, you know, your breasts are for a purpose, it's to feed a child and all these things. So I have a, a different respect for my body that it's not just um, something to be Googled at, you know, like it's actually it has an importance that is to my child and to my children to come. So I have more respect as, of my body as a temple and that it's it's also something to not be shy about because it's like, you know, I, I thought to myself, well, I am getting older and one day I am going to be old and think, well, why was I so intimidated when I was, you know, young and slim and beautiful? And so it, to me it's like, no, now I'm definitely not, I, you know, I don't mind if I am you know have to strip down and I just don't have, you know, that self-consciousness that I used to have because I just feel proud of myself now because this body actually is for me and my children and um, and then I get to use it for you know great fashion and art and performing and helping especially this one where it's like Māori artists and designers you know I feel as though that you know helping in any way um, to showcase their designs well then you know we all sort of benefit yeah. from each other's um, um, talents, in a, in, yeah, energy. energy, yeah. So, so when it's, I mean, at the moment, I'm so grateful that I'm here because it's not as hectic as it probably could have been. But later on tonight, I mean, you're going to be in a situation, and you've probably been in the situation where you're rushing in, rushing out. You've got to have quick changes for the catwalk, um, and there is no time to be fakama or shy yeah. if, if you have to strip off. Yeah. Well, and I've sort of gotten to that point as well where. Um, 
yeah, when I was younger, I was pretty vain and you know always really perfectionist, and and now I'm kind of like I'm I'm e- I find it easier to laugh at myself. Like at the moment, I've got this eye infection, right, and so my eyes are a bit puffy on top. And um, a week ago, it was worse. It was really puffy, and I had to model in the um, the Te Papa Matariki Native Sisters and Brothers Paperskin um, Fashion Show. And I woke up that morning, and it was just really big and puffy. And I just looked at myself and went, "Oh my God, I look like a monster!" And I thought, "I've got to model in front of all these people." And then I just thought, "I can't ring and say that I can't do it because I was like, well, then I'm letting you know my brothers and sisters down." So I was like, "No, I'm gonna do it. Doesn't matter, you know." They can put makeup on, make it better, and and at the end of the day, it's actually quite liberating inside of yourself to to not have that sense that you have to be perfect all the time. So for me, like I had one eye that was bigger than the <laughs> oh, other, no. and usually I'm so particular about looking good that to me it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, it's good to get over yourself and laugh at yourself and not worry what people actually, you know, what is beauty, what's the perception of beauty. Maybe my eye's always like that, people won't know, you know. Maybe I have one bung eye, <laughs> you know. So I just thought, you know, you've got to get over yourself at certain points mm. and not worry about those those things and, yeah. Sonata, do people who think that the fashion world and the fashion industry is shallow, what do you say to them? There are certain aspects of it that is quite shallow, like... Um, and depending on sort of where you're talking about, are we talking about New Zealand, are we talking about Milan, Europe, are we talking about America? I think the different cultures have different um, history to do with fashion and therefore, like, say, Europe with Milan and, and London, etc., their fashion shows have been going on and on for so long. And the same with New York, that they have such a high standard, like the models, you know, they have, you know, no, no models under you know six foot sort of thing, and they're all very skinny. They're way under their BMI, and they don't eat and all that sort of stuff. So, whereas in New Zealand we're kind of a smaller industry. Yes, the models do do have to be smaller, but you still have you know size ten, size twelve models in the industry. You don't. Not everyone's a size you know six to eight so it's sort of a bit more realistic and then also the designers tend to sort of make the um, clothes to around a size 10 anyways because for our New Zealand market which our our women are a little bit bigger or mm, you know we're, it's we're sort of, like of size 14, stockier 16, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're bigger boned etc so I think there is an element of shallowness in the industry but New Zealand's so small that um, we kind of at the end of the day, we all get on, and it seems more like here in New Zealand, the fashion industry isn't as shallow as what people's perceptions might be. You know, there's a few few things that happen now and then, but most of the time, it's a very much a far no feeling. Um, we don't have the same massive backing and sponsorship, so it's more whānau based where people come along and help out, and you know, friends of um, family members, etc., all come along and help out. So. Um, yeah, people are just not quite as shallow as perhaps it might be overseas, like Sydney, etc. So, Sonata, you know, um, programs like New Zealand's Next Top Model or New Zealand's <laughs> New Zealand's <laughs> New Zealand's Next Top Model. Where are our Māori girls? Season one, man, kore, nothing. I think. Yeah, I thought it was pretty um, bad too. In terms of, I think there was maybe one girl who had a little bit of part Māori, but you couldn't distinctively tell that she was. So. I'm not too sure. I was going to go along because they've just had the next round of auditions just happening through the country. I was going to go along. They had the auditions here in Wellington 
um, at the museum hotel and I was just going to go along to have a look at what girls turned up. Here it's hard because there's a lot of um, very good looking Māori girls that live rurally and that right, aren't in the, the know. Yeah, on the farms and stuff like that. And um, That are probably stunning. And the thing is as well with Māori girls is that we have this very much like you were saying about Fakama, shy, um, oh, no way, I'm not doing that, that kind of attitude. That's what my cousins would say anyway. <laughs> oh, no way, Carl, I ain't doing that. You're beautiful. No, I ain't, is their sort of attitude. Like you see stunning Māori girls, and because there's something about them, they're way more humble and therefore a little bit more shy to go step forward and to go for an audition like that. You know, you'd probably find that if there w- was some there that they'd been dragged along by a friend, you know. Or, yep. <laughs> yeah. um, so if you were, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, if you were 10 years younger, would you have gone in it? Um, if, I, if I was 10 years younger, I might have. I know that I'm too short. I think it's meant to be around 170, which is I'm just under that, so... It's hard because in the, at the age that they want the models, which is between 18 and 24 they look range. They like 12, some of them, but... Yeah, and that age, a lot of young people are either drinking too much or, or studying, and it's, it's hard sometimes. But um, back when I was in my early 20s, that was the last thing on my mind sort of thing. The season one of um, New Zealand's Next Top Model was like... I mean, they kind of, after a couple of weeks of watching it or even a month after watching it, it was like um, they kind of look the same. And that's the hard thing about um, the industry is that they do sort of pump out clones. They go, right, well, you need this, this and this, and this is they, they style them and they cut their hair a certain way, and then they all look the same, whereas they, when they first got there, they got to that point on their own merits of their own individual look, and then they sort of changed them to all look the same. And yeah. it's hard with that industry because I think New Zealand's got to be careful that we keep our unique look rather than trying to take on that same Tyra Banks kind of um, American kind of style because we actually have a distinctive style of our own. Sonata, you're a mum. All right. Yep. Can we... Um, girl, boy? Isis Joy, my little girl. What would she... I mean, has she said, Mummy, I want to be a model like you? She just likes the performance um, like at the Matariki to Papa show last weekend I had this massive big ball gown on that was all made out of gold paper and tinsel and she just thought it was amazing and um, yeah she's a very good singer and she likes that you know I like having her involved with my creativeness and being around creative people um, and just to let her be inspired by that to make her own choice but I believe that the way that I will bring her up, because she is going to be very tall, her dad's very tall, so if she would like to model, that's fine, but to teach her the the whole um, aroha of yourself and that beauty comes from the inside and the out and, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. yeah. Kia ora, Sonata. Kia ora, thank you. Kia ora, Sonata McLeod with Justin Murray at the recent Metal Mortar fashion show. And for pictures of the show, head to our webpage. Yes, we're going to give you that again. RadioNZ.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. This year, the Middle Mortar fashion show saw a dozen designers come together from all over Aotearoa. Kaitahu fashion designer Amber Bridgman reckons one of the best parts of designing is buying an item of clothing and then reworking it. Um, that's called reconstructing, um, which you could probably relate to, Nemirai. I can, Justine. I'm always reworking uh, some of my clothes, eh? You like buttons? I like buttons. I like toilets. Yeah. 
What I really like, I just seen, is getting back to Amber Bridgman, who she took current children's labels names like those based on cartoons and gave them a Māori twist. She likes to shop in hokoko shops as well. Yeah, definitely, and it's down to the Puna Rio or the Kohanga Rio in uh, Christchurch where the kids wear Ben 10 and Scooby-Doo, and she gave it a little Māori twist so the kids could wear something Māori. Ka takiti titi, ka takiti kaka, ka takiti tihei mauri ora. Ko auraki tuku mauka, ko waitaki tuku awa, ko kaitahu, ka te mamoi waitaha, me rabu wai ka iwi. Ko waiau, ko Amber Bridgman toku ingoa, ko te kahurangi, rawa ko nukurua, oku mahanga. Kia ora. Now, Amber, um, you are, what would you call yourself, fashion designer? Uh, I, I probably give myself more the title of multimedia artist um, because I work in so many different genres, um, and today fashion is, is the genre that I've, I'm working in. So when you say multimedia, do you mean um, all forms of art, like sculpture and painting? Um, yeah, I, um, we've just had, finished having a whole lot of exhibitions. Um, within that, I had... Um, traditional Māori weaving, so that's, um, I had a pupu pū-pū, um and just that kind of mocker stuff, but then also film and television as a, as a visual art as well, and then paint and, yeah, create, create in anything, yeah, I want to turn and junk into stuff, yeah. Is it because you like working with different textures, or is it because you just have a natural passion for, for creating things? It's probably a bit of both, and I think um, I'm, I like to be quite conscious of um, what I use in my environment so I recycle a lot of stuff um, use a lot of vintage fabrics um, but also my other work um, is sourced from hookal shops and recovery centres and yeah it's so much cheaper and so much more interesting yeah. And when you say vintage, is, is that a high end vintage wear? Um, yes Sally's. <laughs> um, A bit of both a bit of both really, it's amazing what you can find in the hookah shops um, this piece that I'm working on here is um, I would call, yeah, high vintage um, I paid too much for it from a um, vintage boutique that I've now deconstructed and that's the, the gamble though that we, when we work with vintage fabrics they're you know, 60 years old and they're stained and they had, didn't have deodorants like we do now so there's, yeah, you've got a, a lot more to play with and fix. Deconstructed, that's an interesting word. Yeah, yeah. You, you pull it apart. Yeah, you... oh, that's the best part. I love it. You get like a crazy 80s bridesmaid dress that we're all guilty of wearing at some stage with bows and lace and puffs and, yeah, it's a joy to put it on, take a really bad photo and then just cut it up and just take all the pieces away from it that you don't want and then But don't you feel like you you're want. just like ripping up your money because you... No, but if you only paid $2 for it, yeah, and you've got, like, you know, a train and a big veil, you've got a lot to play with, yeah. Mm. yeah. So, Amber, um, what do you think is the difference between... Um, I mean, this is a Māori indigenous, well, indigenous fashion show. What's the differences between, um, say, Māori fashion and non-Māori fashion? Oh, well, obviously the big difference. Um, I think something like this that shows the difference that I'm experiencing here today is uh, the actual whole process is a lot more calmer, the tanga, the whānau, um, we can bring our whānau support There's here. There's a kai here for everyone. Oh, exactly. It's, um, I've, I've just brought my partner along and I was explaining to him that how awesome this was um, because of, of that energy that's already here. Um, we are, in other situations, perhaps mainstream fashion or another fashion show, it might be a little bit more stressful, a little bit more edgy, but yeah, I mean, it's just a really nice time that everyone can catch up and, and mahi and yeah, it feels very unthreatening and uncompetitive, it's um, yeah, very, yeah 
Very whānau-based. Yeah. And yeah. so you entered Style Pacifica last year? Yeah, yeah. I got um, seven placings as a, into the show, so that was quite exciting to get to um, see my work up there. And that was the first time I actually went to Auckland to watch it, which was, yeah, a whole other experience. So I'm going to enter again um, this year, so that's next month, and hopefully have the same amount of um, comments in, in the show. <laughs> what can you tell us about your collection today in the middle, middle moda? Um, um, I'm, I'm in two sections for metal mortar. Um, I'm in the t-shirt section. Um, what I'm using is um, trademark icons, um, Batman and Superman, and I've basically moldified them. I've, I've turned them, um, flipped them, in the sense that I've made them um, have mouldy imagery through them. Um, and, but there's a really quite a strong cope-up behind that is, um, as a parent, I get really frustrated with all these um, wiggles and the Ben 10 and this constant um, trademarking way of getting consumers to buy all this crap for this $29 t-shirt made in China. So I came up with this concept a couple of years ago with um, Paparangi at Kohanga and um, yeah, we just said, well, what are the kids into? What are they doing? And it's really stemmed off. Like All the kids love them and they have the t-shirts and the capes that we've done and um, they sing you know, a song, Tane, Pekka Pekka. So, I mean, as a parent, I prefer that. The name of my label is Kahuwai. And um, the other section that I'm entered in for today is the Hot Couture. And Hot Couture. What does yeah. that mean? Well, what does What's it mean? avant-garde? Yeah, exactly. Well, I suppose that's up to each individual. High fashion, I think, in yeah, French. Yeah, well, Hot Couture, yeah, it's, it's handmade, um, heavily tailored. Fitted, fitted, fitted. Um, my hawk couture that I'm um, presenting today is, um, I don't like to use a term, but it's, it's more wearable arts. It's more um, art on a model. Um, the main piece is um, an entire peacock um, pelt that I've, um, again, deconstructed, removed its legs and the feathers that I didn't like, and then um, turned that into a corset. And, yeah, that's got a, a big ruffle skirt that comes off it. Um, Sounds fabulous. And then I've got a vintage piece that I'm ironing here at the moment, which is a, um, a, a piece that I've um, completely cut up and yeah, linked back into the other garments with ruffles and over the top. So Hawkeye, I think, crazy big over the top, beautifully made garments. Yeah. And the third piece is um, yeah, is a lot less um, over the top. It's a, um, a skirt made out of peacock feathers. Um, I've constructed that traditionally with tanikal waistband. And then it's got a little um, organza bodice as well. Yeah, so it's, think, yeah, epic peacock, sexy lady. Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Amber, I mean, you did mention that uh, when you read the list of designers here today, there was about a couple that you recognised and some others that you didn't. Is that an um, indication that the fashion world, Māori fashion world, is expanding and more people are doing it, more Māori are doing it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's really interesting to see a lot of... Um, graduates from fashion schools and stuff um, the, the the quality that's here today is amazing, like I, I feel really stoked that I, I got this far because what I've seen so far is just amazing like it's just, you can tell these are design students because yeah, I, I went, to, I've started it um, finally I went to fashion school <laughs> this year and learning about concepts and collections and stuff and you know these, these kids spend a whole year working on a collection and have a workbook and yeah so it's beautiful, very cool Emma Bridgman, Keitsuatsuki Theatre, kia ora. Kia ora. Blair Archibald based his collection in the Middle Mortar fashion show on his whānau, and in particular his grandfather, who was part of the Māori All Blacks in 1949. His collection is reminiscent of the 1950s. 
My name is Blair Archibald, and I'm from Napuhi and Natirunui descent. And I'm originally from Rotorua, but I'm currently living in Auckland at the moment, studying my fourth year at AUT in fashion, so I'm doing my honours. And I'm here at Miramora with my clothes. <laughs> yeah. um, four years. So are you mm. nearing the end of your learning in, in fashion? Um, I don't think I'll ever finish my learning. There's always something to learn. But certainly with my um, academic studies, I think the fourth year is kind of, for me, sort of the, the final point, really, yeah. Um, just because I really want to um, experience the industry. I, I've had a little bit of interning experience, but I really want to actually get out there and start working with some people and... Yeah, not be confined to student and life. And Blair, how much of designing is your own creativeness versus what you learn technically at, at tertiary study? Well, I think particularly with menswear, it's quite difficult to separate yourself from the conventions and the fundamentals of construction and the way that things are put together. So your creativity kind of comes through with um, other avenues such as the fabric and um, the styling is really important. Um, that's just a really good way to get your ideas across. But I don't find it very challenging. I like um, having those limitations because it keeps me... Um, within the boundaries of what I'm doing and I don't get carried away with design and I don't overcomplicate things. It, it gives me kind of like a sense of direction. So. Like what do you mean by carried away too much? Um, well, just uh, well, because means was kind of quite structured um, and historically there's um, a certain way of making something like, like tailored pieces, for example. It gives you sort of like a framework so that you can create things and then you put your spin on it in other ways it, it kind of gives you like a skeleton to work from and then you add layers on top so uh, it means I don't kind of lose myself in, in my design because I've always got something to f be going by like I've always got like a guide almost Tell us about your collection here today now you, I did mention I, I think I wasn't supposed to but I overheard um, inspiration from your whanau Yeah, um, well the collection's entitled Matua and um, it's about my grandfather and his time playing in the Māori All Blacks in 1949. Uh, it, it's a really personal um, collection that I wanted to experience, that I um, some sort of really strong relationship with my work. In the past, I've worked on pieces where um, they weren't aesthetically as um, close to me as this particular collection is, so um, it also gave me a really um, good opportunity to just explore my family's cultural heritage, uh, particularly my mother's side because that's where my iwi's from and it was just a really good way for me to um, really get in touch with my cultural heritage. Your yeah. taha Māori. Yeah, absolutely. So, Is granddad still here? No, he passed away when I was about 10. Um, but he still lives on through the clothes. So, yeah, the, basically it was um, a, it was a way for me to almost like commemorate his time and what he meant to me, both from like a um, emotional point of view and also from the recognition that he had from um, playing for the New Zealand Māori All Blacks. Um, so yeah, it was just about trying to. But you didn't create a sportswear line, no, didn't no, no, you? No, no, no. Yeah, I tried <laughs> you know to not I mean? do something really literal. That was the, that was probably the key in what my in my work was to capture it in a way that's subtle and um, um, what's the word? 
So would your collection be reminiscent of the 50s? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, when he was playing for the All Blacks, it was in the late 40s, and then um, following that he coached in the earlier 50s. So um, I focused more on the time that he was playing, and I took a lot of inspiration from um, a reference book called Beneath the Māori Moon by... Mark. Malcolm Mulholland? Yeah. And um, my uncles are both in there as well. Um, my... Um, they, they, when my grandfather was coaching, they were playing and he was coaching them, so that was also quite a good connection to have there. But it obviously it was more about my grandfather. So, What do your whānau think of your gradual rise in the fashion industry? Uh, is this your first me- medal? Is this your first competition? No, I entered at a couple of competitions when I was in high school. I got encouraged by my um, tutor of the time, Shirley Sparks. I always always give a shout-out to Shirley. <laughs> shout-out, um, Shirley. And, yeah, so those competitions kind of fueled the continuous continuum of going to, on to tertiary education. And this competition was actually suggested by one of my supervisors at university. She... Um, helps me because I mentor Māori and Pacific Island fashion students at Auckland University so of technology. So um, she forwarded on to me and said, hey, this would be a really good opportunity for you to get what you've done last year out there. Um, it fits in really nicely with the requirements. And, yeah, I was really happy to come down here and show my work. Mm. How long have you been mentoring um, Māori and Pacific students? Um, it's part of my honours programme, and so it's only been since the start of this year, which is around March, so... Yeah, I've only been doing it for a couple of months. It's really interesting to be engaged and involved with um, students that are from other years underneath you because you get a really good sense of where they're coming from and the next generation. Because, you know, you consider yourself just coming out of um, tertiary education. You see yourself, oh, okay, well, I'm the next thing. You know, I'm next in line for the field and fashion. But then... The ones below you, they're still, they're, they're the next, you know, they're, they are... Prim. They're the ones coming up? Yeah, really? yeah, hey. absolutely, yeah. So it's really it's really cool to be involved with their work. And just because, I mean, there is kind of a stigma around um, this idea that, oh, well, like, you know, like you, they're in, uh, we're superior because we're on the, uh, of a higher level of, of education or, or something like that. But the, it's not like that. And I think the, the problem really is that we are as like fashion students or just people studying fashion or being involved in fashion is is that stereotype of course that we're this we're in this kind of real gossipy environment and um we backstab mm. and and um, we um we sabotage and those sort of things and it's not really the it's the reality of that is very different and so that's a really good way for me to um kind of uh, contradict those those views because these are people coming into first year from well generally it's from high school so it's really cool to just show them you know hey I'm about three years ahead of you but I'm no different you know I'm just as enthusiastic and as um, um, encouraging of like interaction between peers um, no matter what level of experience in terms of education they're on it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a way of categorizing us or separating us into groups so do you look to overseas artists such as, I mean, I can think of names, Ralph Lauren and mm. Karl Lagerfeld yeah. and, you know, other Māori uh, international fashion designers as a source of inspiration or does that not matter to you? I think, I think at, you some, at, some point, at some point, you, I mean, you'd have to, being in fashion, I mean, you can't kind of isolate yourself from what's going on, especially overseas, and expect to have some kind of um, basis to work from, you know, when you're doing this, so... Um, 
yeah, it's like I guess it's like saying oh, I'm, a, I'm a mechanic, but I don't look at cars, you know. So um, I certainly look at international designers, um, but I try my best to um, take inspiration from them and not try and um, let that influence too much on my design to the point where it becomes the sort of like replication of their own work, because that's the worst thing I'd want from from my point of view and for my brand is to have that attached to it. This idea of taking ideas and almost kind of um, duplicating them so that it just becomes another copy of mm. what someone else has already done. So, What do you yeah. think, in your opinion, Blair, makes a Māori fashion show different to a non-Māori fashion show? Uh, well, now actually having experienced one, I think that the huge difference is what goes on behind the scenes. Um, especially in like a competitive environment, you would never guess in a million years that this was a competitive situation. We're all so friendly and we're all, so, we're all helping each other out. Um, and I've just, yeah, I'm blown away by the um, the sort of adulation and just all the encouragement that we're all giving each other. That's probably the thing that sets us apart from any other competition or, yeah. Kia ora, Blair Archibald no Ngāti Nui. Once the preliminary judging was over, the models and designers had a break until the evening's festivities kicked off. And that's where the judges, sponsors and whānau could see the catwalk show of each design followed by the announcement of the winners. The overall supreme winner goes to Blair Archibald. Okay, so they've just announced the winners um, in this competition. Amber, the winner of the T-shirts. Kia ora, Amber. Congratulations. Thank you. How do you feel? Awesome. I'm really stoked. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised and, yeah, I'm really stoked. My brain's already clicking over and thinking about what accessories and styling I'm going to do, but, yeah, it's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Is this your family? Thank you. Yeah, this is my Auntie Pat. Hi, Auntie Pat. Hello, how are you? And this so is my mum, Shelley. Oh, hi, mum. Hi, mum. Yeah. So, um, very proud. You must be proud. We're very, very proud. Has he, has he always loved fashion? Oh, I have. <laughs> Haven't I? You have. This is our lovely styling lady yeah, in our family. Absolutely. Totally. No, it's great. Yeah. And the Supreme Award too. I know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, no, no, no. Enjoy the win. Thank you. Member of Middle Mora Fashion Apparel Board, Ata Tikanoa. I just want to talk a little bit about what's going to happen at Fashion Week this year. Obviously, we've got our showcase event again, but there is murmurs that um, the Māori presence at Fashion Week this year is going to be um, slightly more profound. Um, We're just working through some logistics there, and I'm saying this purposely in front of my sponsors. but um, it's New Zealand Fashion Week's 10th birthday, so this is a biggie. So I really want to thank our judges again, the Get Funk team, everybody else, and Massey University, of course, who donate this venue to us. Congrats to all the winners, and we've posted up a list of them. You can check it out at our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. And we're on Facebook as well. Search our name, just type in teahika, T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A, in the search area and click like us.
Yes, do like us, whānau. Nā reira, kua ia tēnei wahanga tuatoru o Whakatefatefa. Our third instalment of our in-depth documentary shows, Whakatefatefa, Māori and Fashion. A neira, a Glenis, Philip Barbara, with this week's Whakatauki. Mā te werawera o tau mata e kai ai koe i te haungahi o te kai. By the sweat on your face you will taste the piquant flavour of cooked food. So this is about doing the hard yards, eh whānau? This is about actually um, putting the good work in and then enjoying the fruits of your labours. Next week, I'm back in the Wairarapa with the whānau at King Street Artworks in Masterton, where Jenny Taylor teaches kite-making, bone-carving and harakeke. And I'm talking with Rajan Jyoti of the Dalit Solidarity Group in India. I met them at the 4th Indigenous People's Conference in Traditional Knowledge that was held up in Auckland back in June. He mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa e tautoko mai ana i tēnei kaupapa kia Nicole Taikata Wheeler, Stan Wolfgram, Ata Te Kanawa. He mihi atu ki tā mātou kaira wikiwiki mihini nā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu. Mauri ora tātou katoa. katoa.